podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, the shark bait has such teeth there, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Bay. And it keeps it out of sight. So welcome everybody to another episode of Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark and Matt Macklin. This is our second one of Fight Week. Yesterday we sat down with Alicia Baumgartner and Savannah Marshall, just a few yards away from where we are now, because we're back at the Canary Riverside. And I did say yesterday that one of my particular skills is my ability to scan a boxing room and identify willing victims for our podcast and Macklin I've done it today I've done it today because I was sitting at the press conference at the at the cinema actually on Mile End Road very nice it was too but a different kind of setting Uh, and across the aisle a kind of a vision appeared and I immediately whatsapped him our guest is laughing I immediately whatsapped Macklin and said Christina Pontia is out 10 yards to my left hand side she'd be perfect and he said yeah yeah Christina would be great and I said right okay I'll pounce on her when the, uh, <laughs> when the press conference is over, which is exactly what I've done. She's jet lagged up to her eyeballs, but um, she's agreed to do it anyway. Great she's to see you. coffee. Yeah, great. <laughs> Don't tell my secrets, guys. How are you feeling? I'm doing good. I'm, I am tired, but I'm happy to be here talking with you guys. I'm just happy to be here for this entire event. This is the first of what I hope is many all-female fight cards going forward, but to be here for the first one and covering it again despite a five-week postponement, I mean, there's nowhere else, honestly, I'd rather be. And you were here five weeks ago. I was. I mean, that was that was a mad old few days, wasn't it? I mean, a situation none of us could possibly have, have seen coming, and pretty much no sooner had you arrived than you were on your way home again. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, we came, we left... Um, LAX, Los Angeles, um, on a Tuesday. We arrived on Wednesday. We went, did the press conference, like, Thursday. And then we get the news that this could be happening. And then it gets announced that she had passed. And we still didn't know exactly what that meant. Obviously, it's an unfamiliar situation for us, you know, in, in the States. Okay, what does that mean if she does? And we're hearing this period of mourning. We're just waiting. We're all in, like, the conference room. And then they announce that she passes. And then we're waiting to see, okay, do we follow like what Premier League soccer did, like who, who, what's going to kind of be the indicator of if boxing is going to follow suit. And then when we got the word on um, Friday, while the fighters are still cutting weight, that it was going to be, can't, we're just like, oh my gosh. And my heart broke, you know, not necessarily for, for us because, but, but for the fighters and all the undercard fighters and all like trying to make weight, sitting in there for two hours two hours postpone way in instead of canceling it, just in case we still go. I just that broke my heart. friends and family that were, literally in the air flying over on a Friday to come to the fights on Saturday that land just to not even see their family members perform. It was just, that was heartbreaking as well. I've got to say, when, when it happened, I did think, you know, it was obviously unprecedented. And, and as you, you rightly said, people are looking to see what the Premier League do because I guess they're the, we're going to follow what they do. But I did think to myself, you know, because some of the games did go ahead. And there was a, you know, massive sort of celebrations, you know, of her life. You know, it wasn't a morning. She was 96 years old. And it was, it was kind of, it was coming, wasn't it? Because it, it, it was a few weeks before they said, look, this could happen. So it wasn't totally out of the blue. And I just thought that maybe with the funeral being sort of 10 days on from that and with that weekend being a day of morning, I thought they should have, with, 
you know, let the fight go ahead. I really just thought all the girls have weighed in, or, or was all you know about to weigh in. I just didn't. I just didn't get why they pulled it. I, you know, when other sports went on, then the cricket, the rugby went on that weekend. I just thought that was so. I, I thought it was the wrong call. I thought it was, they should have went ahead with the fight. They could have done a couple of nice BTS on, on the telecast. They could have really, you know, they could have really played nice tribute, couldn't they? they could have done the ten bowls. They could have done a lot of things, but hey ho, they didn't. And here we are. And if anything, it probably has added actually to the uh, anticipation for it now. I think. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think. I don't think people, I don't think anyone really knew what to do because we were just hearing, oh, right, 10 days of mourning. What does that mean? Does that mean we'll have to stay inside for 10 days? And no one knew. No, nobody knew. And, and I think the Border Control, who were quite traditional, they just kind of assumed that other people would postpone, I think, and didn't want to be seen to be doing it because other people had done it and, and got out ahead of it. And then it turned out that not everybody else did it. It was it was a kind of a, a no win in in a lot of ways, but but yeah, I think sitting at that press conference today, Christina, it was it was frankly watching those two pairings, Shields and Marshall, and Mayer and Baumgartner, and we were talking about this before we hit record. I don't think I've ever seen two better matchups in terms of the fact that they're top fighters and they're fifty fifty fights but that they understand the media side of it. They're brilliant talkers. They genuinely don't get on, and they're excellent at communicating it. It's got, it's got everything you could possibly want, both fights, and that's just a really, really rare occurrence. It is, and I agree with you 100%. Um, and it's real. It's not just put on for the cameras. It's not like the cameras go off and then they're back there hugging or high-fiving or saying, that was a good press conference. Like, they're still pushing and people are still breaking them up. It's and legit. Once, yeah, it's <laughs> legit. It's really real. It's not It's not for fake. It's not for fun. Um, it's fun for us to sit back and watch. But um, the tension is real. And, and I think one of the first things I had even put out on my Twitter after, this, after the postponement was seeing Alicia and Michaela go back and forth I said okay I guess I'd take another four or five weeks of this back and forth the build up and I was curious today what more could be said at the press conference but it was thoroughly entertaining more was said um, both co-main and main event and I mean if we could just skip over tomorrow and get right to you know right to the fight right to Saturday I'd be <laughs> I'd be okay with it yeah, it was it was just what's really interesting is that we said this to Alicia and Savannah yesterday is that the right hand side of the bill which is the side that those two were on they both just seem to have this natural ability to wind the other one up. Savannah can just do it with Caressa uh, and Alicia can just do it with Michaela. And we talked about this a few weeks ago and I likened it to an older sibling's just natural ability to wind up a younger sibling. And it's that, that, it is like that and it's, it's just so entertaining to watch. Yeah, and, it's, and as we said, it's legit. It's not put on. It's very real. Um, and also they're... Because we said about you know they're very different in terms of fighting styles and all the rest of it, but their personalities are so different. It's almost like a perfect storm. Um, Christina will be a lot more familiar with Michaela. Well, you know, I know we know well who she is and we've seen her fights. But you've been you sat there ringside. You, uh, you've called her fights. You've seen her come through the rankings. Um, you know, we've seen Alicia's knockout over Terry Harper here. That she kind of burst onto the scene where Michaela was more kind of expected to achieve. Um, we don't, you know, obviously, we're not going to give predictions here, but uh, are you are you surprised at the confidence from Alicia? One hundred percent. You know, because like you said, she did kind of burst on the scene. It was Michaela calling out what she thought was going to be Terry Harper before that fight. I mean, 
not very many people were, were thinking Alicia was going to go in there and, and get the upset. And knowing that Michaela wanted to, to unify and um, become undisputed and that her time was counted at, you know, junior lightweight, we, we knew that she only wanted fights with belts. So, and she thought the biggest fight would be the fight against Terry Harper. And probably before the build up to this fight, she probably still would have said that would have been a bigger fight. But Alicia Bumgarner has done her thing. You know, not only did she go in there and win, but she's backed up with confidence everything that she's said and done. She's already had a title defense since then. Um, looked well, looked good. And, you know, she's, she's very calm. Like, she's absolutely ready for this moment. You know, people that would just look at their resumes on paper or what they've done would say, you know, hands down, Michaela should be the favorite and she should win. But there's just an, an era... Uh, or of confidence around Alicia, um, even today. For the first time yesterday watching the, the kind of face-off with Anna Woolhouse, and then today, I feel like she's gotten maybe a little bit under Michaela's skin, maybe just a little bit more than, than I've seen her. And, you know, you know, kudos to Alicia, because I think that it's, it's to her credit if she can get Michaela razzled a little bit, because that's typically not her demeanor. No, totally. And, 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 you know, when you speak, we, we spoke with uh, Alicia last night, we spoke with Savannah as well. And when you're sitting down talking with somebody and they absolutely 1 million percent believe they're going to win, it, it's quite infectious, isn't it? You know, you, you kind of get swayed yes. with them. You know? <laughs> like, let me throw a couple of dollars over here just in case because she's got me believing. I'm drinking the juice. Like, I'm thinking this could really be you know, closer than typically looking at resumes and experience and pedigree and amateur pedigree than it really should be when you look at it on paper. I was thinking these two should be in sales because they'd have sold it to me. (laughs) Well, even with Savannah and Clarissa too, right? I mean, look at the the pedigree and where they're coming from. And obviously Savannah has all these knockouts, not against the greatest competition, but you're looking at Clarissa and everything she's been through. You're like, she might really get knocked out. It might really, we don't know, but... It's it's that same way on both sides, right? You got the amateur pedigree, spectacular boxers, and then you got the big punchers on the other side in both co-main and main event. That contrasting styles in itself makes these matches interesting. In addition to all the trash talk, oh, it, it absolutely does. You know, Savannah, we're we're familiar with uh, two Olympics, and she had a pretty hard road in her pro career. She turned pro with with Floyd Mayweather, which we absolutely did not see coming. That oh, was Conor McGregor undercard, yeah. right? What a what a stage for your pro day. Yeah, I mean that was just the most unlikely pairing you could possibly think of, kind of personality wise, her and her and Floyd. But she has taken it to a new level recently. I'm I, I'm a crushingly kind of logical, rational person when it comes to looking at who I think may or may not win. I, I like facts, you know, I like to deal in facts and and Shields kind of laid it out today. It's kind of like I've won two gold medals and undisputed at two different weights and 10 different world titles. And for that reason, I kind of have to make a favourite, I guess. But Peter, who's over around here somewhere, Peter Fury, said it pretty, you know, he, he cut, he cut to, the, to the heart of the matter, as he has an ability to do, in the original press conference five weeks ago when he said that the rest of the division is no good, basically. The higher weights in women's pro boxing in a minute... There's no real depth. These are the only two, and neither one of them have faced anyone, anything like the other. And I make that, that's a fair comment, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for the most part, they also have, uh, I think, two or three of the same um, opponents that they've both faced different different results for the most part. But, um, I mean, t- to the point of the lack of depth in the women's division, that's why you have someone with, you know, 13 professional fights 
two times looking to go three times undisputed like that's unheard of with that little uh, amount of fights but it I mean there isn't a lot of a lot of talent pool in those higher weight classes um, and so I think that they will both step up to the plate they both have been in pressure situations uh, they both know what's you know in store what's at hand but I mean I think I understand her Clarissa talking to, about the weakness of Savannah Marshall's resume but um, at the same time like I have no doubt that Savannah on Saturday night will fight the best fight of her career and she'll have to it's funny because I'm trying to weigh up the fight trying to think how I think, what I think it's going to go and you think well they have that they have fought each other okay it was 10 years ago and uh, Clarissa was 17 completely different fighter now but you know Savannah was only 21 and she's a completely different fighter now too you know and her confidence is she's gone really her performances have really spiked haven't they she's really from someone that probably lacked confidence, lacked a bit of self-belief. And I don't know, she just seems like a different person. And then you're thinking, then I'm trying to think, well, you know, maybe she's just got a number. You know, everyone has that person who style-wise just doesn't, you know, they don't bode that well with, it doesn't match up that great. So, you know, you're trying to, you're just trying to think of the different uh, areas that you can try and draw a bit of a a sway one way or the other. But it's difficult because... You know, you can't... And then if you look at the style of uh, Savannah, she's got this very relaxed style. But it's easy to be relaxed when you're dictating the terms in there, when you're controlling the pace, you're controlling the range. It's a lot easier to be relaxed. When someone's on you and they're fainting you and they're touching you and they get touching you to the body and they're offsetting you, it's not so easy to be relaxed. So, you know, and I, I imagine that's what Clarissa will come out and do, oh, yeah. you know. So whether or not in the middle rounds that kind of stabilises and, and Savannah finds a groove... I don't know, but it, it, it's, it's, it is a fascinating fight because whichever, whatever which way I th- throw it around, I still come back to, well, I've got an answer for this or I've got an answer for that. So it's like, I, I can't That's really, what makes it great though, right? Yeah. There's not a lot of fights you sit there and contradict yourself back and forth. Like the same fight that's happening on the same day, well, I guess the next day here on a different continent, you're not sitting here doing that with Devin Haney and Georgia Cambosis, are you? You're not giving yourself a, a, a five, ten other reasons why... Cambosis is going to win that fight. Let's be honest, right? You saw what you no, saw, completely. and and maybe that's because we did see it once already. And we haven't seen these ladies um, fight before, but it's uh, to my point. I'm just saying there's not a lot of fights in boxing to be made where you can sit there and give yourself five reasons why this fighter can win, and, fight, and they'll all be legit yeah. um, things that you could expect to see. No, the, the best, the best, I would say, the best fights are the ones where you're throwing it around in your head and you spend ten, fifteen minutes, and you still can't come out with who you think is going to win. Yeah, we've got Wilder this weekend as well. Wilder Hellenius, great to see Deontay back, but um, that's not as good a fight as these two fights. You know, people who know boxing would tell you the the two best fights in pro boxing this weekend are both on this card. Agreed. And, you know, you've got two, you've got some big names going up against them. But one thing that I found really interesting and really great about this, and maybe it's kind of been more this way because of the postponement and it's just marinated, as people like to say, a bit, but. This is a big deal for, for women's pro boxing because it's an all-female card and, and a lot has been made of that, and, and, and correctly so, because the situation is not equal currently. Um, it's got a long way to go on that front. But really, this week, what people are talking about is the quality of the fights. They're not really talking that's about the, the fact that they're fights between <laughs> females. And that's where, that's exactly where we need to get to, isn't it? Hey. Hey, everybody. Sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. 
It's called The Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! I 100% agree with that statement. And it, it even goes back to, you know, oh, when I was coming up and learning how to, you know, commentate a report and people would qualify, oh, she's really good for a woman boxing commentator. And I said, how about I'm just trying to be a good boxing commentator? I don't want it to be qualified as a woman boxing commentator. These are really good championship high-level fights, not really good women's championship fights, right? They're, they're all athletes at the end of the day. They all go in there and risk their, their lives. They're all... These ladies, seven belts on the line between two fights. These are just quality boxing matches and not, don't even need to be qualified as, you know, specifically women, good fights for the women's side, you know, and that's, that's the best part. Yeah, great. They're great fights, period, you know, literally. So moving off the subject a little bit, Tell us about your journey into boxing oh and how it's how much time do we have? No, I'm now. <laughs> as much time as you want. No, no. Um, Matthew covered some of your fights. That's how long that I've been <laughs> doing this. But um, no, I. Um, it, it's been it's been a journey for sure. Coming from you know being a sports broadcaster in LA, covering high school football or American football, um, you know college basketball, and then getting into boxing and reporting and then a couple years later hosting and then being able to sit on the commentary team and add you know my knowledge of being around the fighters every fight week and then getting the opportunity just two years ago or so um maybe a little over two years ago now to, to sit in the play-by-play lead seat for these top-ranked international cards has has honestly been a dream come true and I never would have thought when I got into the sport you know almost 12 years ago now that I would have ever been in this position but um, boxing isn't like anything else. It's unlike any other team sport I've ever covered. Um, one punch can change everything. The adrenaline, the, 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 it's just, it's grabbed my heartstrings. I've said it time and time again, and I'm so happy to be a part of it and be able to tell these guys stories and carry a broadcast to viewers either in the States or, or worldwide and sit alongside champions. And, you know, like we were talking about before you, like you said, before you hit record, I mean, this is the best. This is the best job. Oh, it's the best game ever. ever. We're, we're, we're so yeah. we're so lucky to be doing this. And now, you know, not only to be calling an all women's card, but to be a woman in a play by play position for the first time ever um, here in the UK, and doing this all women's card for the first time ever lead on ESPN, which is huge back in the states. Um, you know, it's a big opportunity for me as well. Not only for the women in the ring to push other women to fight, but little girls watching the fights with their dad that maybe if they don't want to put the gloves on, they can put on the headset and a microphone and know that they can also have a role. They can also have a place in the sport. And I hope that I'm not the only woman doing it in a year from now or five years from now. I hope there, there are many more women that find the confidence and the ability to do what I'm doing too. Over this side of the pond, I think it's fair to say Katie Taylor was the trailblazer. She, you know, she was a big reason for the Olympics, uh, the boxing going, the women's boxing being part of the Olympics in 2012. Obviously, she didn't medal in Rio, but she turned pro after that, and things have just come on like leaps and bounds. It's just the difference then to now is just, you know, you can't even exaggerate it how, how different it is. I would say that you were probably the trailblazer in terms of the women's uh, broadcasting. That, that's a fair I appreciate statement, that. isn't it? Yeah. I yeah, mean. no, that's, 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 that's definitely accurate. Though from the outside, kind of looking in, if you like, because I don't. I don't, I don't know many There is no one else doing commentary. There's no other female voice that I'm aware of in the English-speaking world doing commentary. It's just you. No, I, I mean, other than um, fighters in the 
role of an analyst, a female fighters, uh, you know, um, even Alicia Bumgarner has done some commentary and, you know, Sinisa, Michaela, et cetera, on the fighters role, um, at least in the, the lead commentary position. I don't know if it's called play by play or blow by blow. I don't know what you guys um, call it here, but no, I, I'm the only one currently and, and ever before Claudia Trejos was before me, um, had done in English and Spanish before, but, um, you know, recently there hasn't been anybody and I, I hope that changes, but I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I just, I just want to be in this position and do the best job I can for these athletes in the sport. You know, that, that's, that's what it comes down to. No, I've never laced up the gloves and I've never boxed a day in my life, but neither did Vince Gully, Chick Hearn, Jim Lampley, or anyone else in my position. That's why we have you on a commentary team. That's why we have an Andre Ward or a Timothy Bradley, because they can speak from that. I, I do the television part. They do the analysis. I maybe add a little bit here and there because I've watched a couple hundred thousand fights, but... <laughs> You know, they, that's what their their role is. And whether I'm a man or woman or not, yeah, really shouldn't no. be indifferent. I just want to be a good broadcaster. So so tell us about the first boxing gig then. How how did that come about, the first job you did in, in boxing? I was covering a press conference, and I think I was like two Spanish-speaking fighters. And I am I understand some Spanish, but I'm not fully bilingual. It was, it was, I think, Juan Manuel Lopez versus Rafael Marquez. And then a week later, it was like Ricardo Mayorga versus Cotto, I think. And I could, those four and the personalities and Mayorga was smoking a cigarette up on the dais. And then you've got Don (laughs) King waving his flags up there and it's a 20 minute interview. And I'm just like, my my hand and my mic is shaking because I don't know. It's just, it was like baptism by fire. There's some personalities there. (laughs) Because it was just completely insane. But I went from covering press conferences on my lunch break while working for Fox Sports in LA to now, you know, sitting ringside. So I just... I had the basis. I'm a broadcast journalism major. I knew how to ask questions. I knew how to research and study and study and study. It's just the sport was different. It was just learning the sport. So when did the link up with Top Rank come? Um, the first couple of things I did with boxing was with Top Rank. Um, when they were, when social media was kind of um, like Facebook and Twitter and not even quite Instagram yet, it was starting to get more popular. They just wanted to put a face to the interviews because it would just be a floating mic, right? A mic in a face with the camera, uh, in an athlete's face with the camera behind and no connection with a, a host or a personality so um, a friend of a friend said hey I have a, a girlfriend that does um, sports reporting in LA she could probably do some of your press conferences out there she loves boxing and kind of just gave it a shot that way and then they started to travel me more then I started to build a rapport with athletes then kind of just you know came from there and then I did some stuff with Al Bernstein and Boxing Channel and then tr- we had a true TV series for a little bit but um, it's been the constant being with Top Rank and I really am thankful for them giving me the opportunity and having the forethought to say let's put a, a, a mic in a woman's hand and you know see if she can carry this thing because even at that time there wasn't um there wasn't very many women reporters or not now there's a ton in a women's youtube channels and even today i mean women asking questions at the press conference like it's just the last 10 years it's grown so so much but top rank's kind of visionary in that regard right not only if things in the ring but how they present their fighters broadcast deals things that they do so i just ended up in a really good spot yeah, I think fans of any sport, what they want is they want the person who's entrusted with the jobs that, that, that we do. Matt's got instant credibility because of his career, but that me and you do mainly, um, maybe, because we haven't boxed. They just want to know that that person is as into it as them and knows their stuff and gives a shit. Because, And that's why it's great that Top Rank did what they did, because... The easy thing to do, and what I've seen people do loads in the past, is they'll just think, oh, we'll go out and get someone who's better known for another sport and just bring them in and, and, stick, they tried that. and stick them on the boxing. <laughs> and it did. doesn't work. They absolutely it tried work. that. It doesn't. Just because they're a fan and they've watched a couple of fights on TV or the big fights and they, they give them the mic. And I mean, we've done it. 
we Top Rank is guilty of that too. Yeah, people want passion. People want passion. If you're passionate and you love the sport and you're immersed in it, that 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 comes across. You know, obviously you've got to know what you're on about as well. You can't just we can't. If that was the case, any fan could do it. That's so it's not just about that. But there's some 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 sometimes you hear people talking on, about different sports or, or whatever, and they're just monotone. They're just like lukewarm. They're just going through the motions. And I, you, you t- I switch off to people like that. But when someone's as interested or as excited as I am, and they're in, you know that. That engages me anyway. Personally, I can, I can only speak for myself, but you know, I know that you eat, sleep, breathe boxing. You do, Andy. So when you're talking, I know that you've got. You're not reading off a script. You, you know the people. It'd be a you're lot easier about. if we got handed a script, right? Wouldn't it? <laughs> It'd be like, well, what can you script in boxing, right? Well, you know, pe- people often do think you are reading off a script, though. though you know, for who, depending on who you're working oh. for. We, we, I'm not whisk guy anymore, but we used to get that all the time. And I was just going to come onto this exact subject. How do you find the kind of criticism that comes with it? The criticism of bias, which you must get. Uh, everybody gets it. It's, it's par for the course, I guess. But it's, I'll be honest, it's, I've always found it pretty irritating. I mean, it can be because sometimes, um, for one, it's hard for me being a woman because right away, like you and I could read the same five lines, but because I'm a woman and even my voice you know, tonally sounds different. There's some people that will never want to hear me say the same thing as you say, just simply because I'm a woman in the role or simply because my, I don't have a extremely feminine voice, high pitched squeaky voice, but at the same time, people will just not want to hear or get used to hearing a female voice in the most machismo masculine sport there is. So I, I, there's nothing I can do about that, right? Only thing I can do uh, criticism wise is if it's something critiquing my work or something I said, then I can, you know, take that and understand. But simply people that are just, go make me a sandwich, get back in the kitchen, all these other things, you know, get at, go do women's boxing, which here I am and I'm still getting <laughs> things, right? Um, you know, th- those things, there's nothing, there's nothing I can, I can do about that. But you just learn that the people that put you in that position, um, you know, your bosses and, and the networks and stuff, like they're really the ones whose feedback and stuff matters the most because they're the ones, you know, cutting your paycheck and everybody else sitting at home, ha- more than half of them probably wishing they could do your job, so... Yeah, I, I sometimes think about life before social media, which did exist. Uh, for some people listening to this might not believe that, but it did. And um, you weren't getting, you know, relentless feedback from total strangers then. And if you did, if someone stopped you on the street or kind of, you, you wouldn't really take it seriously. Um, you would just listen to the people who, a select number of people whose, whose input was relevant to you, right. to be honest. And that, that that is definitely the easiest way just to just to continue to, to do the job I think how about upsetting fighters have you, have you found yourself going down that road okay so not deliberately ever obviously funny, but funny story to, to the point when we were talking before we got on about how fights I call I don't predict um, I learned that the hard way uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. versus Sebastian Zabik one of his last fights, Staples Center. Um, I was asked on camera who I thought would win, and I said, Chavez Jr., I think he's going to knock him out. Well, Sebastian Zabit came up to me after the fight and said, are you happy now? You know, your your prediction, it, it went the way you thought it would. And I, 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 I had never had a fighter, you know, call me out. And from that point forward, he said, you know what? If I'm calling a fight, I'm... I'm not going to make a prediction because I'm not trying to prove myself right or prove myself wrong. I was honestly giving my opinion about who I thought was going to be the better fighter that night. It's kind of what we get paid to do, right? At least I wasn't in a play-by-play role at that point. But I just made it a point going forward that if I'm going to call a fight, um, I don't want 
to upset anybody or have anybody thinking that I have a preconceived um, notion as far as like who I want to win or I'm f- filling a particular narrative. And I did get it up till today. I mean, that was 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. And because I'm a top rank um, affiliated commentator and I do their, you know, international cards, I'm automatically going to be going for Michaela Mayer and not Alicia Baumgartner, right? That's what everyone's, that's what everyone's thinking. Instead of just giving me the credit of like, I'm just going to call what I see. It's not my job to predict. It's not my job to validate uh, any sort of prediction. My job as a play-by-play is to call exactly what I see. You can make the decision, then the judges will make the decision who they think won or lost. I mean, we've had it for years, haven't we? <laughs> with the, with the sc- I mean, you, you guys know you deal with the yeah. same thing. Whoever's the house fighter, the A side, yeah, yeah. everything you say, and you miss one punch from the B side, it's we already know who you're going with. You know, it, it, what makes me laugh? So, like, you know, you could be make you could you're commentating, I'm co-commentator, Sandy, and I don't know a shut land. So you might say. Or you might ask me a question why something's happening, why he's, I don't know, he's back enough to think he's running out of steam or whatever. And I'm replying to that. But obviously the fight's ha- still going on, but we, um, I, I can't like speak you in three seconds. three punches, the other guy said, while you're answering your question, yes. how dare you? So then the other guy lands a punch, and because I'm talking, answering the question, what ha- you asked me, you know, three seconds ago, but the other guy's landed two punches, in, and because I'm going, oh, he's landed a one-two left talking in, in that time. They think mm-hmm. I'm only talking about that and not that. And it's like, well, I'm answering the question. Do you know what I mean? That's exactly how it goes. It's, it's, I just think these people are mental. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the people, and it's, the, and it's you know, we have, we've had plenty of fighters come back, and they'll call out, you know, Timothy Bradley on something that he said during a broadcast. We'll sit with them in the fighter meetings next time, and they'll say, you know what, I didn't appreciate you said this about me or I'm going to show you that I do have a left hook or whatever. So, I mean, we're in a position too where we have to we do have to deal with it from both sides. Oh, I've, I've seen Derek Chisora chase Macklin around the hotel lobby. <laughs> <laughs> Telling, wanting to call you out on something you said or well, critique. He, he, or, he could, well, I was doing the scorecard But at least you can night. fight. Like, I, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> I was doing the scorecard. I'm only a middleweight. <laughs> what, what fight was it? It was his first. Still? No. It was after his first fight against Joseph Parker. Um, no, it was Usyk, wasn't it? No, yeah, yeah, it was... It yeah, Usyk it was it was, it was it was Usyk. It was Usyk, and you were commentating. I was doing the scorecard. I had it nine three to Usyk, which you know I thought it was a pretty easy fight to score. You were pretty much in line with that. Delboy eight wasn't four. Happy I had it. Delboy wasn't happy with that. We saw him. It was before Usyk AJ. He was in the hotel. He's all right now. We're, he was in the foyer of the hotel. And he, uh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't happy, and I said to him, "I said, look, Dale, I've been there as a fighter. I know what it's like. Do you know what I mean?" I said, "I don't know Usyk. I do know you. I, I wanted you to win, but I've got a." obviously got a job I've got a yes. my own credibility yes. I've got to call the fight as a C I can't whoever's fighting it I can't have to take emotion completely out of it I'll just call it as I see it I wanted you to win but I can't you know I still I thought Usyk won I've got to say it as a C Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that, that's all you can do. Uh, we won't keep you too much longer. Career highlights so far, or highlights, or just things that stand out. Not the easiest question. This it's like being asked your favourite film, but but is there anything that immediately springs to mind? Um, one of them early on. I mean, I was fortunate enough to sit, you know, front row for a lot of Manny Pacquiao's career. Um, we did a, a media workout one time from the Wildcard Gym that streamed live in Times Square, in New York City. I thought that was really cool because 
I never thought I was going to see, you know, my face in, in, in Times Square along the likes of Manny Pacquiao doing an interview then. Um, being a part of Fury Wilder 3, I mean, that was epic. I was on the international um, we were sat next to each other call for that where we, where we had a chance to sit next to each other. And um, that, was, that was pretty epic. I mean, um, I think... I think there's you, been Christina, did you do you would have been there. I don't know if you were calling the fights th- at the time, but for the um Margarito Cutter rematch Madison Square Garden. No, I didn't call that fight. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no I didn't call epic, that fight. That was epic. That was that was epic. I was there for Cotto and Sergio Martinez. Uh, I did Sergio Martinez and um and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. That last round, that twelfth round, was pretty incredible at uh, the Thomas and Mack in Las Vegas. I fought on that card. Yeah, I got I knocked out uh, Joaquin Alcine in the first round. I you was part of the card. HBO telecast. You yeah. were on that card. But yeah, so I had a shower and got back out in time. I mean, how insane was fight. that? The last few rounds uh, the, there. I, I said it to you. I said uh, prob- the last min- the last minute of that fight is probably. I couldn't even hear myself. <laughs> I, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I, I think every single person of the 20,000 sold out Thomas and Mac were on their feet. Yep. It was incredible. It, it was, was just like, it, it was one of my favorite atmospheres of all time. Um, I was there for Pacquiao and Mayweather. Um, that was incredible. This, the celebrities that were mm-hmm. around you just, it, that, you know, I, I could only imagine what boxing was like, you know, in, in its heyday when people really got dressed up, Caesar's Palace, you know, Friday night fights and go that had that that kind of feel. There's been a, there's been some really really cool moments, and I think this one on Saturday night will will be another one of those on the list for me. In all my years, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, it's not my fault. Um, I've covered two NFL games in London. This will be my first time calling a fight ringside in the UK in my whole career. I've never I've never had an opportunity to attend or call a fight here. So this oh, is a pretty big deal. Yeah, for I me. think I think there's going to be. Oh, it's a great one to start with. The O2 is a really good arena as well. It's it's it, when it's full and I, I think it will be not far off. Maybe not completely full, but not far off. The the atmosphere in there is, you know, it's absolutely tremendous. Uh, just just a couple of more sort of newsy things just to finish with, just to get your perspective from from across the Atlantic. Matt can't really talk about this, um, which is fine. How big? a deal or how newsworthy was what happened last week with with Eubank and Ben in in the US the reason Matt can't talk about it is that Sky aren't keen on on their pundits commenting on this at the moment and that's completely understandable as as far as I'm concerned Um, I mean it was it was on every news outlet every one that I read uh, that I follow um, all talked about it Uh, I was on State of Boxing which is a show on ESPN plus we mentioned it we talked about it um and the matter of which it, you know, going all the way till fight week, pretty much to the press conference and then being canceled. I think that was a big deal too, because oftentimes these things come out during training camp, right? Not really necessarily 48 hours removed from a fight. And so, yeah, it was, it was everywhere. It was a big deal. Um, you know, and then people brought up the Oscar Valdez situation um, in that fight with Hobson Conceição was relating something. So that fight going on despite because of where the fight was governed and then they were talking about moving the fight. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was, and it is a pretty big deal. Um, and I'm obviously good friends with Chris Algieri and I call fights with him and I know he had a lot to say coming off, you know, his fight with, with Connor and what he thought and he's up very well versed in, um, in that area. So I trust his, his expertise. So, yeah, I think it, it was you know, definitely big news over there as well um, as it was here. And it's not the kind of problem we can solve the three of us in the next few minutes. But it, it again, it just speaks to the need for, I'm not saying anything new here, just some kind of overarching consistency when it comes to 
drug testing and who is actually responsible for it and reporting it to an impartial, independent body who then deals with it. It's well, we've said for so long, haven't we, that like you know, in football, soccer, football, like FIFA, it's you know, and listen, they've had their issues with corruption, but nonetheless, at least they're a global organization where boxing with different sanctioning bodies different commissions it, oh, it's messing 100% and even in the United States people know fighting in different states mean different things with different commissions different judges different referees etc are they really watching the hand wraps are they really are you just really only pissing in the cup and no one's watching you know whatever the case may be in your locker room and everyone's in and out like you know where you are um, how lenient or or not lenient they are and that just goes to show that it's it's a worldwide um, issue and I think that I mean if if there's anything that UFC has done right it's having one central <laughs> you know governing one UFC it, it's the, obviously the discipline being MMA but they, them all being able to be under one um, umbrella in that regard like something like that could really help you know boxing when it comes to the testing and even with the belts I mean that's a whole other conversation and all of that it's just like the sanctioning fees etc it's getting out of hand right is there a sanctioning fee for this Elizabethan belt I'd say so. It's got to be. I mean, they're just going to add a belt to here. Let's add another tax. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who says that that's okay? Money-making racket. I mean, (laughs) there's not enough belts and and taxes on the line for for all the other belts that let's just... And the thing is, people say (sighs) TV-like titles because it helps sell. That's what they used to say. But but I disagree. I think if there was one centralized... There was one champion and then you'd have a very clear and one commission... Well then, you know, if you're a top ten fighter, you're a, you, you're, you're you, you know, you can go do a ten rounder. It doesn't have to be a title on the line. You, it's more, it's easy to follow for the casual fan. They know a good fight. Then even if it's a ten round non-title bout, if it's two guys that are in the top ten, that's a great fight. You don't need some bogus title to to legitimise that fight for being a top fight. No, I agree. I absolutely agree with that. There are just so many. There are so many things about boxing, but it's one of the reasons why we're just kind of just so attached to it really there's there's always something happening one the final question um we got quite optimistic about the prospect of tyson fury anthony joshua over here tyson's one of your guys one one of the top ranks fighters so obviously they were would have been involved in those discussions and would have had a very very close eye on it Uh, everybody would have done did you in america did people feel like that was close and that it might actually happen or did it always appear like a bit of a pipe dream? Because I still can't quite make up my mind whether it was ever realistically going to happen or whether I just wanted to believe it. Well, I can't speak to, you know, what really happened um, or didn't happen behind closed doors. But if you're asking my gut feeling, I don't think anyone really believed it was going to happen over there. And I don't think anyone from the top rank side or even probably the ESPN side was necessarily thinking that fight, especially before the end of the year was going to happen. We've had our year planned out. We've had our dates planned out. We've had the venues and to try to throw something together and think by December, um, when when you're talking about a big network like ESPN, which he has ties to in the States and, you know, top rank was going to be able to put something together. I just, I never really thought it was going to happen. Me, in my opinion. And I don't think many of the U S writers, um, either were really, um, on board with thinking that it was going to happen and you know and then kind of like did we ever really think he was going to retire is he not going to retire it's kind of one of those things too right which which ones come first is he going to unretire or is he going to fight retired you know those <laughs> the, that kind of thing too so I had him I'm a part of a ESPN panel for the top 10 pound for pound and I said okay are we considering 
my question was before my submit, are we considering him retired or unretired? I mean, do I include him or is he retired and I need to fill that spot? I think he's out of the you ring's know? top 10 at the minute, isn't he? I think they've left him out. For because- ring, but ESPN, we put him in. Yeah, I think. I mean, so, you know, we, 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 we I, never I, believed it I, for a second. I, I, I didn't think. Different day, different story with Fury. I think it's more hoping he would have, but I don't think anybody on this side, I can't speak for the whole country, but I really don't think anyone thought it was realistically going to happen. Yeah, I mean, over here, we got tempted in by it a little bit, I think. It was always an outsider, always unlikely, but um, I mean, my personal take on it was that Tyson threw it out there because he saw it as an easy way to score some points. He could call Anthony out, knowing that he couldn't really take it, and then just call him a dosser for the rest of his life. And But Anthony realised that and thought, OK, well, I'm not going to have that. I'm going to come back and just say, yeah, OK, then I'll do it. And then all of a sudden, you've got this strange situation where the teams are almost having to pretend like they're trying to make it happen. I mean, is that, you know, you, you're, you're, this is your expert. This is your... No, initially, I thought that. This is your that. wheelhouse, Max. Yeah, initially I thought that. But then when they came and offered the 40%, I thought, no, no, that, 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 I thought that, that they want to make this fight happen because they didn't low ball in with the 20% or 30 You'd have gone 40% there and he's took it. And I just thought it makes sense for, for Joshua. He's had the two fights with Usyk. He's sharp. He's in, you know, he's in shape. He only needs a couple of weeks off to come down off that peak and then build back up. I don't know if it made sense for him or not, though. It yeah. made dollars, but I don't know if it made sense. No, I mean, what, what does he want to do? I just thought, I'm trying to put myself in his position. He's at that level. Does he want to, does he want to do four or five fights boxing guys like Manuel Char or these type of guys? Like, Is he going to get up for that, having been up there with Usyk twice, Ruiz in Saudi, all these massive fights? you know, Is he going to get up for a Manuel Char? I, just, I don't know. I, no, maybe not, but I mean, that, that'd work for Eddie, though, wouldn't it? Because it'd work for Eddie. get him on his own and, and keep yeah, them happy for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd work for Eddie. I mean, look, you know, people saying, Bob coming out saying, Eddie's trying to long this deal out, stall it, mm-hmm. before so that Tyson gets pissed off, throws his a tantrum and says the fight's off. And to me, that that probably made the most sense, what Bob said. It's, it really, the person, it, who, if you look at it, you think, who does this not suit the most for this fight to happen? And really, it was Eddie. I'm not saying it was Eddie's fault, you know, but that's what Bob said. But, but what Bob said did make sense, I thought. Uh, Bob's absolute gold. You know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've just listened to anything that man says. He's, he's been on this podcast, actually, and we got into all sorts. We got into JFK, the, the assassination of JFK, because he was at oh the Department gosh. of Justice when, when that happened days. back in the 60s. The man is just, uh, and he's still an absolutely unstoppable force. I mean, what was that? Especially after a couple patrons or tequila yeah. <laughs> at a dinner with the whole team i've been you, just to be a fly in the wall i'm sure people would pay a, a do you remember lot, the first time do you remember the first time you met him i don't remember the first time i just got this just, just great image in my head that you had to have an, an interview to get the job at top rank and it was no. with bob arum no but i think the first it? time he looked at me and i had a mic flag that said his company's name at it and i'm putting it in his face to ask him some questions he was probably like <laughs> who is this that's you know, representing, you know, my company with this mic. But where did she come from? Who hired? I'm sure he had some questions just as I did that, although mine were more boxing related, but you know, here we are and he was at my wedding and now he, you know, a little booby on the cheek, you know, after uh, I have my, my child and I like grandpa Bob now. (laughs) Brilliant. I think, I think Bob's just in that brilliant position in life where he's 90 years old. He's absolutely smashed it. Still <laughs> smashing it and he can just say whatever the fuck he wants. Everyone knows <laughs> oh, that's absolutely right. Everyone yeah. knows it. Too. Absolutely right. Sometimes the, the, gets himself in trouble but it's like on to the next thing. That's it. The, the phrase no fucks given is just, yeah. he's like, just untouchable. He's yeah, just, he's just describes him down to, a, down to a T. Okay, well we'll let you go. You've been very generous with your time. Absolutely. Um, 
uh, as I say, I um, I saw you across the room and could have missed myself, me in this bright ass pink sweater I wore to yeah, try to no. wake myself up off the plane. <laughs> well. <laughs> You're pushing on through. You're doing well. You, you. You, so you're probably going to make it until a reasonable hour, I'd say. And then, you just need and about another five or six espressos, and that should get you through. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Just jack <laughs> yourself up to the eyeballs or Tasmanian coffee. devil around this lobby just to try to stay awake. What could possibly go wrong with that? Well, we'll see you tomorrow anyway. Yeah, we'll see yeah. you on Saturday. Um, and that's it for another Macklin's Take. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we will catch you again next time. And Lucy Brown. Yes, that line falls. On the right, babe Not that Maggie's Back in town Look out, old Maggie's back Sports Social Podcast Network